0: you're listening to the carterville church life podcast i love our church family and i hope that you do too our goal is that the episodes of this podcast would keep us connected and focused while we're scattered for our week on missions together i hope that you're blessed by what you hear today church family and podcast friends merry christmas today i'm recording on december the first you're hearing this podcast a little bit later But I am very much in the Christmas spirit. I'm glad that you took time to tune in today. And I hope that this episode of the podcast is a blessing for you. We've been talking about hope. And the passage I'm going to read today is not a Christmas passage at all, but it is a peculiar passage that has been really interesting to me this week. So earlier in the week, Scott Hanberry, who's a pastor of Hardy Street Baptist Church over in Hattiesburg, a good friend of mine and an excellent pastor, he texted a conversation starter to several pastors in the Pine Belt. He asked us to think about a resurrection miracle from the Old Testament. There's an account in 2 Kings chapter 13 where the prophet Elisha has been buried and a man is thrown into Elisha's tomb. We'll read it in just a second. When the man's dead body touches Elisha's tomb, he comes back to life and out of the tomb. It's a very short account that seems kind of pressed right into the middle of the flow of an otherwise normal historical narrative in Second Kings, the death of one king, the rise of another, the death of a prophet, well, this little story has just owned me for a couple of days. And as I thought about it, I decided I wanted to share it with you. And I think it points us towards hope. So let me read the passage and then we'll unpack why I think it's really, really cool. Okay, so at this time, Elisha is ill and he's dying. The king of Israel, that is the 10 tribes in the northern kingdom. They only have about 30 years left as a nation before they're conquered by Assyria. In fact, some of the deterioration that will lead to their demise has already begun. Well, the king now is a guy named Jehoash, and he and his fathers were a new line that Elisha's prophecies about uh, sort of brought them into power, or I guess maybe a better way to say that is that Elisha was the prophet that would predict their rise to power, and then he became a counselor uh, of sorts to to their their dynasty. So he was a guy that was really, really important to this particular family of kings. They were not good kings. They weren't great Uh, But this is the account of the king's death and Elisha's death. Let me read it to you. It says this in verse 12 As for the other events of the reign of Jehoash and all he did and his achievements, including his war against Amaziah, the king of Judah, are they not written in the book of the annals of the king of Israel? Jehoash rested with his ancestors, and Jeroboam succeeded him on the throne. Jehoash was buried in Samaria with the kings of Israel. Now verse 14, we shift the focus to Elisha. Now Elisha had been suffering from the illness from which he died. Jehoash king of Israel went down to see him and wept over him. My father, my father, he cried, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. Elisha said, get a bow and some arrows. And he did so. Take the bow in your hands He said to the king of Israel, which he had taken it, Elisha put it in his hands of the the king. Open the east window, he said. And he opened it. Shoot, Elisha said. And he shot. The Lord's arrow of victory, the arrow of victory over Aram. And Aram was the nation with which they were warring at the time. Elisha declared, You will completely destroy the Arameans at Aphek. Then he said, Take the arrows and the king took them. Elisha told him, strike the ground. He struck it three times and stopped. The man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck the ground five or six times, and then you would have completely defeated the Aram and destroyed it. But now you will defeat it only three times. Elisha died and was buried. Okay, so you had the account of the king dying, And then a little flashback to before the king died, when Elisha died. You had this exchange where Elisha predicted that he would have victory, and the king did not seem quite as enthusiastic as he should have been. This is an odd little passage about striking the ground with the arrows, but all we can infer from it is that the king did not really engage Elisha's prediction with the enthusiasm he should. And that was reflected in his behavior to tap the ground three times instead of really to get into what Elisha was telling him to do. All right. So anyway, Elisha finally dies after predicting three victories and that Israel will overcome Aram. But Elisha won't be there. He won't be there preaching. He won't be there giving counsel. He won't be there representing God when it happens. Okay, so now verse 20 goes on. Elisha died and was buried. And now Moabite raiders used to enter the country every spring. Once, while some Israelites were burying a man, suddenly they saw a band of raiders. So they threw a man's body into Elisha's tomb. When the body touched Elisha's bones... The man came to life and stood up on his feet. And then it transitions right back into the historical narrative and talks about Hazael, king of Aram. And this is just a really interesting passage to me that Elisha is already dead. Elisha doesn't say or do anything. Elisha had resurrected a child in 2 Kings chapter 4, and Elijah had resurrected a child. So you've had one resurrection account from Elijah and then one from Elisha. But this one is really crazy to me because Elisha's dead. So imagine this with me, right? These Moabite raiders come. You're having a funeral procession. When you see the raiders in the distance, you've got to do something with this dead body. There's a tomb. You open the tomb. You toss the guy in there just just for the time being so that you can evacuate before the raiders are upon you. But when the guy hits the ground, and touches the bones of Elisha, he comes back to life and he walks out and he runs away with you. This is mind-boggling. Well, as I researched this passage a little bit, I tried to understand what is the point of this particular resurrection miracle. Because it is just kind of wedged into the flow of the rest of this historical narrative. And I think a couple of things stood out. Some of the Jewish interpreters talked about how Elisha's body was holy and there was power in Elisha even after he was dead. And I think that's I think that's interesting. But I think the real hope is much bigger than that. When King Jehoash sees that Elisha is dying, he's heard his prophecies, but Elisha will not be there to watch them fulfilled. And this is pressing us towards the fact that it was never Elisha that was the hope to begin with. There was power in Elisha that was at work much bigger than Elisha. It was God who was at work. And even after Elisha was dead, his bones raised the dead in a way to validate the truthfulness of his prophecies. In other words, that the things he said were going to happen Even though Elisha would not be alive, it's as if his words were still living because they were never his words because they were God's words. And always, God was the hope of Israel. Yes, Elijah had been amazing, and after him, Elisha even more so. But it was always God who would be the hope of Israel. In 30 years, the nations in the north, the tribes of Israel, would be conquered and drug off into exile. And I think they would need to know that even when Elisha was long dead, the power that had been at work in him, the power of God, was still at work in them. The Second Kings would have been written into its book form the way we have it while they were in exile because it takes you all the way up to that point in history. And so I imagine exiles reading the story and maybe they felt as if they were beyond hope as if they were the dead men who were tossed away and there's some particular language here that very very specifically connects Israel in exile to this man being thrown into the tomb it's pretty cool connections in the grammar but i think it's whispering towards hope that the god who was at work through his, with elisha was still at work in the nation he was the hope And just as that man was raised from the dead by the power of this God, so had the Shunammite son, so had Elijah's uh, resurrection account been by the power of God. Well, later, Christ Jesus would be raised by the same power, and the hope of God would continue for his people. So I think part of the point of this miracle, of a prophet raising the dead even after he's dead, is to remind us that it was never the prophet himself. It has always been God. Always. He has been our hope. So church family, today, I don't know who you've placed your hope in, pastors, preachers, friends, but I want to encourage you that the real hope for our world is God himself. He is the good that you and I treasure when we see good things in each other or when we just stop to think about what is right in the world. So I want to encourage you today to put your hope in the power of the God who is at work. Put your hope in in the power of God, who raises the dead and gives his people hope. Church family, I love you, God bless you, and I cannot wait to see you on Sunday.